a rich tradition. College Football Podcast is now live. Hello, podcast land, and welcome to a rich tradition college football podcast. I'm Spencer Van Horn. He's Robbie Stelton Pole. Two friends, one love, and that is college football. Roberto, how was uh, tonight's workout? You know, it was a it was a pull day, so it was good. It was, it was good. a what day? A pull, p u l l. I I do one day is pull, one day is push, one day is legs. Uh, take a day off, then combine the two, and then do another leg day, and then rest. So not every day is leg day for you. No, um, but I do do. That's a thing. I do. T- Yes, yes. I do two two leg days a week. Uh, for the last for the last few months, I've been trying to focus more on my legs, uh, especially since my son is moving around as much as he is. Very good. That's what I like to hear. Yeah, man. All right, so uh, we had our first blunder, I guess, as a as a college football podcast, which I guess now we're on episode nine, I believe, and. We left out our Big 12 winners last week. We did not tell you who we thought was going to win uh, the Big 12 or who would be the two teams competing at the end of the season for the Big 12 championship. So, uh, Robbie, would you like to start us off for uh, who you have playing in the Big 12 championship and then the winner of the Big 12? Okay, I'm going to go um, – I'm going to go Oklahoma – Versus Iowa State. Mm. And I think I think Iowa State wins. You're kidding. No, man, like I, I'm I'm serious. I, I believe that there is legit concern for this offensive line at Oklahoma and the what we talked about last week with can Jalen Hurts do a point for point score fest. And I don't know if he can yet. And I think I just trust Campbell at Iowa State. And look, I, I almost I almost picked Baylor to to be the other team. In fact, I really want to pick Baylor, but I just I think I just trust Campbell more. Do you think Iowa State's offense is going to offer a point for point tit for tack like an Oklahoma State or uh, maybe even a, a West Virginia last year or a TCU that we know of from from time to time. Do you think Iowa State will deliver that this year? I really do, um, because even with the losses that they have, yeah. Because look, th- we didn't expect them to be anything two years ago, and they went in to Norman and they won with a third string quarterback who was a former linebacker. With by the way, Baker Mayfield as their quarterback. Oh, uh. and so I just think Matt Campbell. I think I just trust Matt Campbell, and and it's not that I don't trust Lincoln Riley. I just I think they just have too big of a turnover. It's just it's the same thing with Texas. Why I struggle with with wanting to really like Texas this year because I just think they are going to have some issues that they can't really overcome, um, especially early on in the season. And that that whole that whole, and this goes back to what you and I have talked what we talked about last week because I don't want to harp too long here. But the Big Twelve is going to be a very competitive conference. And I think it's just going to be death by a thousand cuts in some cir- cir- circumstances. Yeah. So 
and this none of my questions are a, are a, a, a slap or a disrespect towards Iowa State because I I have them also. We have the same championship game. I just have Oklahoma beating uh, Iowa State because we both feel the same way about uh, about Texas. I want to like TCU, but still not sure completely how all of the injuries and coming back from those injuries, who's playing quarterback for TCU. But I still think they could be there at the end of the season. And I think Baylor might be uh, – I think they're going into their third year, but uh, but I think maybe they're just a, a year away as well. Um, but I like Oklahoma and Iowa State, uh, and then I'll have the Sooners capturing a, another Big 12 championship. Now, just – one last question. Would you be honestly shocked if Iowa State won that game? No, I don't think so. Because I'm expecting I'm expecting them to do some some solid things on defense and I'm expecting uh Brock Purdy to be uh to take a few steps forward and, and this just to be kind of a a really strong Iowa State team. So no, I don't think I would be shocked, but at the same time, I'm, my eyebrows might raise. I might be a little surprised, but I don't know if shocked is the right word. I mean, and just put it also like this. I just believe Matt Campbell's who we think he is. And if he takes them, if he takes them and wins the 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 Big 12, he's going to he's going to have so many offers. So many offers next year. Yeah, sure. I mean, if if uh if if something catastrophic were to happen with Ryan Day at OSU, if something catastrophic, yeah. which there's there's no real chance of that, it's more likely USC could come calling um, unless they go after uh, try to go after a, a, an Urban Meyer. But uh, but yeah, I mean Iowa State's Matt Campbell could be uh, could be exiting because some big school comes after him. Most notably at this point in time that I'm thinking. A maybe an Auburn, maybe a USC. Okay, right on. Let's uh, let's, right. let's let's get into the other news. Yeah, so uh, Hall of Fame this weekend. Ed Reed and Champ Bailey went in. Ed Reed, we wanted to touch on. Uh, Rob, greatest safety of, of all time at the college level, arguably the greatest safety at the NFL level. So I think that almost kind of makes him the greatest uh, safety at the college level as well. Yeah, I would. I legitimately would take Ed Reed over any safety that's ever played the game. Right. Like, yeah. I can't. I can't think of another like that's guy that's over Troy Pomalolo. That's over Ronnie Lott. Like I don't care if you lost a finger and kept playing. Like I don't. I don't care. Like Ed Reed. Ed Reed was that dude who just made plays everywhere. He's been. And if I'm not mistaken, I think it's uh, my friend David Bunkley who told me this like little story that Ed Reed originally didn't even have a football scholarship at Miami. He had a uh, he wasn't even recruited by a lot of people coming into college, and he didn't have a true football scholarship. He had a track scholarship at Miami, and because they were get, trying to get around their sanctions that were put on them, and and so I just I find that little that stuff really interesting. And then he comes through, and he, I mean, he was part of probably one of the greatest defenses to ever be put on the field in college level. And then he goes on, and be, he he's part of one of the greatest NFL defenses to ever ever be put on the field and i just i don't think that's by chance i think he just played some huge roles and the dude was just a beast i i I loved watching him play speaking of greatest of all time i think and tell me what you think of this 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 uh this line here 
Champ Bailey maybe had one of the most consistent careers from high school all the way to the pros of any Georgia football player to ever come out of Georgia high school football. He was great at Charlton County uh, on the offensive side of the ball and defense. He was great at the University of Georgia and, of course, goes on to have a Hall of Fame career in the NFL as well. Champ Bailey might be the most consistent and most decorated player in all of Georgia high school uh, or Georgia football just in general. I guess a native of Georgia is what I'm is what I'm getting at. What do you think of that? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the awesome part is, and a lot of people, and this is only really for Georgia fans who know this, but like there was a slew of Bailey family members that played back to back to back years where we had champ and we had boss and we had Sean and, um, you know, well, boss I think there Bailey. was a, a Ron Bailey as well. That's an older brother. Yeah. 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 You're right. You're right. Um, but they're just not as declarated as people remember for boss. Like, and Sean, Sean's known for catching that deep pass by DJ Shockley against LSU. Um, but boss Bailey was like a, a field goal blocking machine. Um, you know, but, but about champ, uh, me and my buddies who were in a Facebook chat group together, um, this question was brought out, like how good is, is champ Bailey, um, as far as all time. And there's really only a couple of guys who were mentioned that may be better. And of course, one of them is Deion Sanders. Um, but when you're, t- when, with your question of most declarated, most achieved, most accomplished Georgia based player, like, I don't know if you're going to find a better one. Yeah. I mean, I guess Herschel probably comes close. Yeah. But uh, not in the NFL. Like he, sure. But I, I guess I, that's, and that's why I say Herschel comes close. I mean, he was yeah. good for the USFL, but that's just why I say Georgia or uh, Herschel maybe is close. I don't know. Maybe is Hank Aaron from the state of Georgia? I can't oh, remember if he is, but of course his no Atlanta idea. career. Sorry. No, no, no worries. Uh, his, his Atlanta career is obviously great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but Shane Bailey is one of the best, man. Um, just that dude was sick. All right, uh, Zach Smith, Dan Mullen, and Alabama. Are you ready to no longer hear about Zach Smith ever again in college football? Because I'm getting to the point where I'm ready to no longer hear about uh, Zach Smith. I've said it before. I will say it again. I hope Zach Smith has to forever walk barefoot on Legos, and I hope he's kicked in the nuts by some toddler for the rest of his life. I can't stand the dude. I think he's scum, Um, and I mean that. And the this whole the whole this whole situation is hilarious to me. Urban Meyer, um, you know, saying that he was offered a job and he was about to leave, but he talks Zach into staying, which is just hilarious to me because then you find out that um, Nick Saban never even offered him a job because they did a background check and they realized they wanted to go a different direction. Um, it just continues to show Urban Meyer's disgusting optics of coaches and how he just did not care about their, their life outside of the football field. And let's just also put it like this. Zach Smith wasn't even really that good of a coach. And, but he continued to be on these teams with urban Meyer. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm so ready to, if I never have to say his name again, I'll be happy. Yeah, no, I agree that, uh, and I think we said this, uh, earlier today, but if if you're trusting anybody right now in terms of he said, she said, and who did what and what happened here, uh, at this point you're trusting Nick Saban more than you're trusting the the duo of, of Zach Smith and Urban Meyer. And for all we know, Zach Smith only told Urban 
that, hey, I was offered the job when maybe he was not really offered. And Smith just was trying to say, hey, can can I try to get more money out of Ohio State? That And that's a part of what Nick Saban also mentioned was that this happens all the time. Uh, Nick's even accused of doing it by flirting with with Texas to get more money out of Alabama. So um, John Gruden did it like three different times to get massive <laughs> upgrades at ESPN. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, but there was also the note from Zach Smith about Dan Mullen. Did you hear the comments yeah. that kind of basically Dan Mullen's a little bit overrated, doesn't really deserve the job at Florida. And uh, it, it also felt like it was a moment. I won't go through the whole quote, but it also felt like a moment from Zach Smith where he was just trying to live up or hype up, uh, play the hype man for for Urban Meyer, that the job at Florida that Meyer got was much bigger and grander and greater job. Dan Mullen got handed the scraps. Um, okay, I I may to a degree agree with the sentiment that Dan Mullen is a little bit overrated, but to say that he wasn't the best hire on the board that when this when this hire was made is just or qualified, idiotic. Yeah, yeah, or qualified. Yeah, yeah, he he was he was by far. And I put him. I would have hired him over Chip Kelly any day of the week, and and so like Florida fans should be happy. Like it, it was a good hire for them at the time, and I, I think for right now it's still a good hire. Um, I do think he he is a little bit overrated when it comes to the national media um, as being this great quarterback whisperer because the only quarterback you can really look to is Dak Prescott. And if you say Tim Tebow, well, I don't know if y'all remember this, but Urban Meyer was part of the offense too at, at Florida when Tim Tebow was there. I don't know if y'all remember that. Um, so, like, I, I do think he does get a little bit too much uh, hype on certain things, but the, the the guy can coach, and he was definitely the most qualified at the time. And so, I just think Zach Smith, Zach, Zach Smith wants to continuously be. He wants to matter, and he's not going to matter much longer. And I. Again, I can't stand the guy. So, All right, moving on just because I, I feel the same way, but I knew we wanted to touch on that since it was a news note from this week. Uh, speaking of news notes, talking points, that is the talking season. The coaches poll top 25 came out this week, and for the most part it looks pretty reasonable. It doesn't look too outlandish, but it is just talking season, so it doesn't really matter where everybody lands, but the top 10 is as followed. Number 10, Texas. Number 9, Notre Dame. University of Florida at number 8. Michigan is ahead of those Florida Gators at number 7. Louisiana State is number 6. Ohio State 5, Oklahoma 4, Georgia 3, Alabama, and then Clemson takes the top spot. I don't have a huge argument with any of that, Robbie, outside of I would probably flip, just for fairness sake, I would probably flip for Florida with Michigan. Yeah, I'm, I'm in a weird spot with this because I, I don't get upset about about coaches poll because like like 80 to 90 percent of these coaches can't even name you the starting quarterback for these teams much less tell you the quality of these teams um but for for the sake of the podcast i would say that i continue to just have give pushback to these rankings of ohio state and texas with ohio state losing their hall of fame coach losing their quarterback and um and replacing him with a first-time coach that no one knows whether he's going to be good or not, and then on Texas returning, 
losing eight players on uh, eight starters on defense, uh, losing their star wide receiver, losing some on the offensive line. Just I, I don't understand why those guys continue. Those guys continue to be ranked as high as they are. But right, I'm fine with basically everything else. Well, and that's the great thing about you know these things don't matter, and the yeah. season will play itself out because everything you're touching on will will come to flourishing. Whether if Ohio State can kind of work through losing Urban Meyer, that will all they'll have a chance to prove that, and Texas will have a chance to prove, and so will Florida, and everybody else will have that chance. But uh, but I can agree with that. Uh, Ohio State gets uh, plenty of credit right now. Where you Ohio State is sort of in a same position whether it's fair or not, to Alabama. That Alabama, we just kind of, we just kind of, it doesn't matter what Alabama loses. We just know that Nick Saban's there, so they're going to be there at the end of the year. Ohio State is in a similar place. At least the program is worthy of being in a similar place. But to go from to go from Urban Meyer, one of the best coaches uh, ever, to a first-year head coach, you know, you're absolutely right. That's a, that's a big, big hit, especially when you're competing against other established programs in Dabo Sweeney and Nick Saban and Kirby Smart and uh, Lincoln Riley now just in two years, even uh, the the uh, Dan Mullen in two years at Florida and Michigan's uh, what they've been building and Louisiana State as well. So uh, I can agree with uh, with everything you already mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, man. All right. Uh, any, any notes that you wanted to give for for Bud Foster, he's been with Virginia Tech for like 33 years now, going into his 32nd year, I think, to be exact. Um, wow, Bud Foster never became a head coach. Is is that not is that not wild? Yeah, uh, you know, the, the the lunch pail offense or defense, lunch pail defense um, has always been a big thing. Like you know, I do think the the mysticism of the Thursday night game in Blacksburg is a little overstated. Like they actually don't even have a winning record on Thursday nights in Blacksburg. But uh, when it comes to Bud Foster and how long he's been there and how just how he's continuously developed quality defenses, um, I, I just don't know if there was many who did it better or did it as long as he did, you know, at the, at the high level. Um, I, when, um, oh my gosh, why can't I, I know his name and I can't remember his name now. The co- the head coach before Fuente, um, yeah, and and now you're you're doing it to me, Beamer. Beamer. When Frank Beamer left, I almost thought it was an absolute shoe in that Bud Foster was going to be the head coach. And then whenever he wasn't, you know, it, it was kind of weird. Um, but then Fuente came in and was starting to make plays, and you know, it, it just seemed to work. And now that Bud Foster's out and or he's leaving after this season, I, I hope that they're just able to go out on a positive note for this guy. Um, because last year was a bad note on his defense, but that has a lot to do with injuries and dismissals. So um, good for him. Good he's getting to leave on his own terms. Yeah, leave on your own terms, absolutely. And I'm in a world where everybody's looking to make the jump to a head coach or make the jump to a head coach at a real prominent program for a guy to stay at one place for so long is uh, it, there's a part of that that is commendable. And uh, you take your hat off to that kind of uh, lunch pill mentality to uh, to kind of end end this conversation on Absolutely. a uh, on a I guess uh, ironic good on note. Yeah, very good. All right, so uh, SEC previews will do the East first. Would you like to start in the East for our SEC preview? Sure, man. Let's do it. 
All right, so we'll start at the bottom. So the Vanderbilt Commodores are first up on the list. Uh, what do you say for the Vanderbilt Commodores? Four and a half is the number from Vegas. I'm looking at three, four, five. I'm looking at there's possible five wins on this list for Vanderbilt, who happens to be one of the most talented uh, teams in terms of skill positions that maybe they've ever been in the history of the program. Yeah, but six years in, Derek Mason still continues to not be able to produce a great or even above average defense. Like it just feels like it's been a while since he's had a legit defense on the field. Um, and that's kind of disappointing. And they, they're still, you know, there's questions at quarterback for this year. Um, and they they will probably have competent, you know, competent running game. But last year they were just getting run on constantly. Like, no, they couldn't stop the run at all. And I, I just don't know how they're going to stop the run this year. Yeah, I think um, Derek Mason has said we've got to get bigger. Um, that's one thing that he's wanted to do, and he's done that. He's gotten some bigger bodies in to help stop the run a little bit. Uh, now, is that are those big bodies talented bodies? Because everybody else has big bodies too. So uh, that's certainly a bit, still a big part of the question mark for Vanderbilt. Can they stop the run? They've got the bigger bodies that Mason wants. The quarterback looks like it should be Riley Neal. Uh, who is a transfer from Ball State. And we've seen quarterbacks transfer into the SEC and just kind of do okay. Jarrett Stidham, uh, Joe Burrow, uh, Eli Apple, Danny Etling, just kind of do okay. Uh, Stidham and, and, and Burrow, of course, did much, much better than the other two. But uh, Riley Neal's probably going to catch a little bit of a um, reality check, if you will, but I think this team's talented enough offensively to at least get to the four wins, and maybe there's a fifth win out of Ole Miss, South Carolina, Kentucky, or Tennessee. That maybe there's a there's a fifth win in there. I, I'm going to give them the over. I'm going to give them to five, Robbo. Okay. Um, I'll give them the over as well. Wow, look at you. All right. To five, like... I don't know. I don't know how, but I, I guess I'll just I'll believe, you know. Yeah. So Northern Illinois, uh, or the I guess the, just to be thorough here, the the schedule is Georgia at Purdue off week on the fourteenth, LSU on the twenty first, Northern Illinois, Mississippi, UNLV, Missouri off week on October twenty sixth at South Carolina, at Florida, Kentucky, East Tennessee State, and then at uh, at Tennessee to finish yeah. the year out for the Vanderbilt Commodores, who were 6-7 and seven last year under Derek Mason. All right, so the Kentucky Wildcats were 10-3 and three last year uh, under Mark Stoops, their sixth year under Mark Stoops. The Kentucky Wildcats lose, though, Rob, their heart and soul, and Benny Snell and Josh Allen. Cash Daniels is a returning linebacker who should maybe be able to kind of carry on some of that heart and soul. But, boy, it's a lot to lose. Not only those two guys, but like 14 other guys on top of that as well that have moved on from the program. Kentucky is is talking like they can sustain or, or get back to, you know, seven, eight wins this year and kind of maintain the program's current position. But 
that's a that is a tall task. A six and a half is the over and under from Vegas. Yeah. I just, I just don't see how they do it. Um, you, you lose by far the the best defensive player you've probably had in a long time. You lose, honestly, probably the best offensive player you had in a long time. You return a quarterback who's not very accurate, but can 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 run a offense <clears throat> an offense pretty well. Um, and then on defense, like you lose all of your secondary. You lose like again your perennial talent in the in the front seven. And I, I just. I just don't believe it until I see it, and I, I have no problem confidently saying I will not. I will not pick them to win eight or more games again until they show me they can. Um, right, and, and neither one of us are super sold on Terry Wilson from, no. from last year to this year in terms no. of their quarterback position. I don't care about one throw he made against Florida. I don't. <laughs> I just don't care. Yeah, I believe uh, Terry's numbers last year were 180 of 268, 67% pass completion, but only 1,800 yards, 11 touchdowns, and 8 interceptions. So that 67% pass completion is kind of null and void when it's less than 2,000 yards and 8 interceptions are included. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so, so go ahead. Yes, well, I was just going to say 6.5 is the number uh, over or under for the Kentucky Wildcats. I'm going to go under. Yeah, I think I'm going to go under as well. I've got four wins in Louisville and then uh, the rest of their non-conference. And there's possibly seven wins out of Tennessee, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and Arkansas. But I don't know if they're going to be able to to corral all of that throughout the course of the season. So maybe six wins, but that's still under. So I'm going under for, uh, for the Kentucky Wildcats. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, so that brings us to the Tennessee Volunteers as we stay in the East. Jeremy Pruitt moving into his second season, 5-7 and seven last year, 10 offensive starters, 6 defensive starters who are returning for Jeremy Pruitt. Rob, I, I still kind of uh, maintain that if this is a group with two five-star offensive linemen coming in, if Trey Smith can be a part of, of that offensive line along with those two young guys, that this Tennessee team will be a lot tougher than they were last year, and they won't have blowout losses 47-21 to Florida, 38-12 to to Georgia, um, and then one other win 50-17 to Missouri and 38-13 to Vanderbilt. I don't think they'll have any of those if this offensive line can play uh, much better than what they did last year for, uh, for Jarrett Garantano at quarterback. If I'm not mistaken, there's something going on with Trey Smith right now, and yes. about whether right you could be right about that. Go, go ahead, I'll I'll see if I can uh, look um, something up here. So so okay, yes, he has he has tried to fix his offensive line problem um, this offseason and the recruiting trail, um, which you know hey is the best way to fix it. Um, but the and the defense does not look like it's going to be much better, and the like. The wide receivers, they've got Jawan Johnson, one of the 17 Jawan Johnsons in college football this year. Um, so you've got Jawan Johnson at wide receiver, who is a stud. Um, I don't really know who's going to run the ball for them, too. Like, who's going to be that go-to back for them? I think it's going to be uh, running back by committee, which is, you know, most teams don't have a problem with doing. Um, ask Oregon. Um, and and so we're, we're looking at a team that is 
the questions come down to their defensive line, offensive line, and their quarterback. Garantano got a lot better as the season went on, but so did the quality of opponent for them. Like I, I would argue that the opponents they were playing um, were not the most ideal to, I don't know, they weren't really going to test him, so to speak. But he did look good against them, and he can't help who he's playing. He can just play better. And so he did play better. And they looked really good um, at, towards the tail end of the season. And look, I'm still not a believer in uh, in the overall experiment that is Jeremy Pruitt. But if he can, if their if their offensive line, like you said, can just play better and just not suck all season, <laughs> they will they will win more games than they did this year, and that's exciting to to think about. Um, because look, I'm I'm of the firm belief that teams like Tennessee. Miami, FSU, Michigan, Notre Dame, USC, like teams like that, college football is better when they are good. And I think Tennessee needs to get better. They've been on a downward spiral for a while, and um, I want to see them do well. But what's their number? I'm sorry, you said it earlier. Uh, Yeah, let me grab that number. I did look up Trey Smith. Uh, Apparently he is in, according to Jeremy Pruitt and Knoxville News, he is in the best shape of his life. So it does look like they'll have Trey Smith on that offensive line for them. The number is six and a half for the Tennessee volunteers. Garrett Tano, uh, as you mentioned, only threw three interceptions last year through 12 games. That's, that's a pretty solid number uh, in terms of taking care of the football. And like you mentioned, if they can just protect him a little better, they've got some nice wide receivers to throw the ball to. Yeah. Jawan Johnson's legit. Like I, he was, he was a Georgia commit. And he flipped, um, but then G- Georgia got Cade Mace, so it didn't matter. Um, uh, but um, I, 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 six and a half. You said, yes, sir. Mm. I'm going to take the under, but only because I think it's six. I think that I think that number is six, not six and a half to seven. Yes, uh, and and I can almost agree that maybe there's seven, but that seven is going to have to come. They're, they've got two, three, four in the non-conference. So four in the non-conference, and then there's going to need to be three out of South Carolina, Kentucky, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, and Missouri. And you might could pencil Mississippi State in for a definite loss. Can you get three out of those other four games? Missouri's got a big-time quarterback. Can you get three out of South Carolina, Kentucky, and Vanderbilt? That's a tall task. I'll say uh, under as well for for Tennessee. Yeah, I, I just think maybe maybe they're a year away from eight wins. Sure, absolutely. you know, or something or something like that. Um, but again, I, I just I have not shied away from this. I'm I'm not a Pruitt believer, so um, I just I yeah, I'm just not a Pruitt believer. So. Secret agent Will Muschamp and the South Carolina Gamecocks is up next. Uh, Secret agent Will Muschamp is a a moniker that Florida fans like to use for Will Muschamp as they believe Georgia sent uh, their their boy into enemy territory to sabotage the Florida Gators. He's now with the South Carolina Gamecocks, 7-6 last year, 7 on offense, 7 on defense that are returning for the Gamecocks. They've got a brutal schedule this upcoming season. And Rob, I'm very much willing to almost put about 50 cents down, because I don't have a lot of money, that Ryan Holinsky may finish the season as the quarterback. 
I can almost <clears throat> I can almost guarantee it. Like, I, I I just feel like I haven't read it yet that people are talking about that at South Carolina. I haven't yeah. read that, but I would guarantee it if I had if I was reading it. But I'm I still I don't know what how Will Muschamp thinks about putting a freshman out there and kind of like going away from the from the senior Jake Bentley. But I would not be surprised if they didn't if they didn't go ahead and put Ryan Holinsky on the field uh, if if Jake Bentley is is stinking it up through the first month of the season. Guy, he's just I mean, to defend him for just a second, he they haven't been able to run the ball at all for, you know, the last three years with Bentley. And so all he's had, to, all he's been able to do on third down and long is th- he's had to throw the ball almost every play. Um, but still like he has just taken such a bad turn over these last two years specifically. Um, when I thought he was going to be one of the best quarterbacks, I thought he was gonna be a, a Heisman, like a dark horse for the Heisman two years ago. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, the the thing I'm interested in is they got they just got the the awesome running back from Clemson trans, to transfer to them. Um, I don't know. I think he's eligible immediately. Correct. If, yes. Yeah, he he's eligible immediately to to play. Um, so that yes, thank you. Um, so that's an interesting storyline to look at. But again, I, I just like with Vanderbilt, how has he not been able to give even a mediocre to good defense? Since being in South Carolina, yeah, he did. He did good in 2017. But you're right; he's been there for four years now. And outside of 2017, the defenses have been, you know, just maybe average at, at best for for South Carolina. And, and Muschamp, of course, is the big time uh, defensive coordinator. So, uh, but you're right; just 153 yards averaged on the ground last year for uh, South Carolina, and they didn't even run for 2,000 yards at all. So. Yes, that probably plays a huge hand into Jake Bentley's struggles. And if that struggle continues, even with the addition of Feaster, then um, maybe Ryan Holinsky is the is the quarterback to start or to finish the season. Five and a half is the number for South Carolina. And with this brutal schedule, I feel like that's under. Yeah, I'm going to take the under as well. They may have, I think they do, I think a couple of places have them with the toughest schedule in college football. And... I don't. I don't see how you can think otherwise with some of the games they have. Um, so I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take the under as well. And I'm not saying Will Muschamp's on the hot seat because I know he's not. But e- eventually, he's got to be, though, right? But if you're South Carolina, what's your expectation? Yeah, what's your expectation at South Carolina? This obviously at Florida. Then yes, this doesn't fly. If at, you're at Auburn, then yes, this doesn't fly. But if you're at South Carolina, then Maybe they're willing to be patient and and wait around and uh, because Ryan Holinsky's right around the corner. So Will Muschamp's never had a quarterback like Ryan Holinsky, who's I, what number number three overall at at the at the pro style quarterback coming in, a big time recruit out of California. I mean, I I would argue that Bentley was highly ranked. Man, I think I think he was a four or five star guy coming in. He was, but he was a preseason. Uh, he was the eleventh ranked quarterback coming in pro style quarterback coming in to his class Holinsky is up to number three and Bentley was one of the top guys out of Alabama Holinsky's one of the top guys out of California so it's I looked at this the other day and, and was kind of blown away at yeah I think you know Bentley was good Bentley had a lot coming on 
but Halinski's a you know an, a, another level kind of guy. Okay, that's fair. I I won't argue that. That's sure, fair. understood. All right, so uh, yes, I think I'm going under for uh, South Carolina as well. If Har- and again, I'm harping on this a lot. But if Halinski is the quarterback, maybe that changes. Maybe there's just some sort of fire ignites, and and maybe that number is is incorrect. But uh, the schedule's tough enough that uh, I don't know if they can get more than five. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, on to the next team who has potentially the opportunity to get to November 9th undefeated. How would you feel about Missouri going to Athens, possibly both teams undefeated on November 9th, Missouri and uh, Kelly Bryant and Jake Fromm going at it on a cool night in November uh, two undefeated teams, possibly ESPN, a big game on CBS, whatever it is. How do you feel about the Missouri Tigers for 20, uh, 2019? I think that they ultimately will not be undefeated um, just because of who their offense coordinator is. <laughs> um, you like, don't trust I don't, Dooley? No, no. Why? Why would I? <laughs> like He went to Tennessee and was hot trash. <laughs> then, then he then he went into the NFL and became like what an offensive line coach or something like that. Like he was some kind of offensive, some kind of uh, position coach in in uh in the NFL. And then he all of a sudden comes over to he comes over to uh he comes over to, gets hired at at freaking uh the school we're talking about. Missouri. Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> Good gracious. I'm so sorry. I got distracted. Um, oh, man. Shirt too tight there, buddy? <laughs> shut up. Um, and, and, and I, I honestly would believe I, Drew Locke regressed last year. Yeah, like, you, Drew Locke only threw 28 touchdowns last year. You'd almost think with as much NFL hype as he had, he would have been closer the to 35. They had. Sure, like, that's true too. Like they had they had they had really good wide receivers. They they had no identity last year offensively other than hey, let's just let Drew Locke just get us out of these jams. And so I, I just I don't think Kelly Bryant is better than Drew Locke. I don't think that uh Oh, oh my gosh, Dudley, Dudley, whatever his freaking name is. I do not think that he is a quality coach, and I think that is. And I, I do think Kelly Bryant is a good player, or Clemson never would have recruited him. Like Clemson does not miss on who they recruit. Like as far you know what I'm saying. Like those guys are usually good. Who whoever they recruit, whoever they get to come in, because they're very selective. And Kelly Bryant, I I would argue, shouldn't have lost the shouldn't have lost the game as soon as he did or lost his spot as soon as he did. But we all know that Trevor Lawrence was a, obviously a generational talent and that's just not his fault. But to go to Missouri where a defense has just not been good, a you're losing some wide receivers, you're losing some offensive linemen, you're losing a running back. You're coming into a pro. Like, I don't know why he chose Missouri. Um, honestly, I just don't understand that. Um, I guess their bagman just was really good with that drop off. <laughs> uh, but, I just, I first, I just don't think they're going to be undefeated when they get to Georgia. And uh, what's their okay, number? So uh, eight and a half is the number, Oof. but the the schedule before Georgia is Wyoming, West Virginia, Southeast Missouri, South Carolina, bye week on the twenty eighth of September, Troy, Mississippi, at Vandy, at Kentucky. 
who of those eight do you think jump up and get them? Not that I'm arguing. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I can I can see eight no with 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 Kelly Bryant. I but who do you think jumps up and get them? Who, who give me that schedule one more time? Wyoming, West Virginia, Southeast Missouri, South Carolina, Troy, Mississippi, at Vandy, at ten, at uh, at Kentucky. Excuse me. Okay, Mississippi, and are you high on the Rebels? Yes, I am. Um, uh, Ole Miss and th- their second out of con- West Virginia. I could see those two being slip ups. Okay. Um. I mean, we'll talk about Ole Miss here in a minute, but okay, you're right. Their schedule is kind of basic, um, but is that game in Kentucky? Yeah, uh, at Vanderbilt, at Kentucky. I mean, who, who's to say Kentucky? You know, even though we kind of downplayed them, I mean, who if they end up being a quality team, who's to say they don't lose to Kentucky? You know. Yeah, October 26th, is, there's plenty of time ahead of that to, for all of these teams to kind of uh, grow and evolve into potentially better groups. Yeah, but I guess I'm just, I am high on Ole Miss, and I think fondly of West Virginia. Um, not in the sense of I think they're, you know, obviously I didn't pick them to win their conference, but I just think they're going to be competitive. And so I could see them losing those two games, man, because they're, they have sucky I don't. I just don't. I just do not buy their 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 coaching. I just don't. I just don't buy their coach, man. I just don't. Real sucky, <laughs> man. Poor Derek Dooley on the uh, here on the rich tradition. Not poor po- Derek college. Dooley. Don't get paid millions of dollars to lead a program and suck at it. Like, just I yeah. I, I just don't know. Numbers saying. numbers eight and a half. What do you what do you say for uh, the Tigers? I'm going to say the under, but only because I think it's the number is probably eight. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if they can get to nine. Because nine would be go undefeated in that stretch, lose to Georgia and Florida, and then beating Tennessee and Arkansas. And I, and I can understand maybe there's a slip up to Vanderbilt. If they figure out their quarterback position, their offense is going to be rolling. Kentucky – has plenty of talent is much better than what they have had. Um, I think Arkansas is going to be better this year. I don't doubt the talent at Mississippi. Tennessee is going to be better this year. I don't know if nine is there. I think I'm going to go under as well, but it could be eight. Yeah. Like I, I just, uh, and it really just doesn't have anything to do with Kelly Bryant. Like it, it just, it just doesn't, it has everything to do with, not knowing the rest of this team. Like, tell me what I'm supposed to be excited about with this team. Larry Roundtree. 1,200 yards, 11 touchdowns, 5.4 yards per carry. Running I mean, 5.4? Five, 5. That's, that's, not, that, <laughs> that's, not, that's not what we get excited about anymore. You know, like, we don't, we don't get excited about that kind of stuff anymore. But it's production. I mean, that coupled with Kelly Bryant's running ability, and then the big, uh, the big Albert O at tight end, he's going to be the new guy. He's healthy this year. He wasn't healthy last year. Maybe that, maybe that played into the hands of Drew Locke's, um, Drew Locke's struggles. I agree. Derek Dooley's nothing to be excited about. Barry Odom's nothing to be excited about at this point. 
but it just feels like the schedule is just so like they could potentially be eight and zero, and then you pick they're, them to lose their final four games. I, they can yeah. beat Arkansas and they can beat Tennessee. There's ten wins. Okay, all right. It's look. tough. Yeah, yeah. I, tough. I, it, it's going to be like Iowa three years ago, Miami <laughs> two years ago, and uh, like what's what, uh, how like do you talk four, to your kids about undefeated Missouri? <laughs> yes, exactly. It, it, it's going to be. It's going to be just. It's going to be a fake undefeated. Yes. <laughs> it, it, it's it's going to be a fake undefeated. Thank it's, you, uh, Solid Verbal. Yeah, thank you, Solid Verbal Podcast. Um, <laughs> man, that's a good. Right, yeah, that's that's a really. Thank you for setting me up for that. I that just came to me off the top of my head, but very that, good. That's, that's a that's a good correlation. They are a fake. They're going to be a fake undefeated come November, <laughs> it, it, or, or Kentucky, Kentucky last year. Like that's fair. That's fair. Just. But I mean, uh, I'll go under for Missouri as well. Yeah. I don't know if they'll get. I don't think they'll get through the undefeated uh, stretch or the, the that opening eight. I don't think they'll get undefeated there, and then maybe finish the season with a win over Arkansas, maybe a win over Tennessee. Yeah, I'm with you to get to eight. All right. Uh, next up, that brings us to ooh, that brings us to chomp chomp down in the swamp. Ten and three, Dan Mullen, year two, Felipe Franks. Your boy David Waters thinks Felipe Franks has taken the step forward. He's throwing the deep ball better. Can Felipe Franks lead <laughs> lead the Florida Gators to possibly eleven wins, including November second in Jacksonville? Okay, so the answer is no. Um, emphatically, no, no, not emphatically. No, no, no. Okay. I, I just. In their wins, yes, he threw for like what thirty-one touchdowns and six interceptions last year. Ooh, um, uh, twenty-four hundred yards, twenty-four touchdowns, twenty-four. And six I don't know why I said thirty-one. I'm sorry, that was Jake. Jake. My bad. Yep, <laughs> my bad. Um, How dare you? Yeah, that's my fault. Uh, <laughs> but in their three losses, and this is off the top of my head, so the numbers may be a little skewed, but you'll see my point. In their three losses. Uh, in one of them, he was 17 of like 38. He threw for under four, he threw for under 40 percent, and he threw one touchdown with two interceptions. In the Georgia game, he was like he was at 50 percent, but he and he threw two two touchdown or one one touchdown one interception, but he averaged uh, five yards per completion. So he was throwing the short ball the whole time. And then uh, in the third one, I think it was an, another just horrific stat line, and. And 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 those three games of those losses, they played quality defenses. And look, let me just—I I have to get this off my chest. Say it with your chest. Yeah. These Florida fans who want to make the <laughs> excuse that they lost because they didn't have their two star cornerbacks. Okay, that's fair. Against Georgia, that is. But hey, I don't know if you knew this, Florida fans, but Georgia had a injured running back. Had was missing two offensive linemen, three defensive linemen, a linebacker, one of their cornerbacks. Oh, and by the way, one of their star tight ends. So we, I'm, I, and this is not to every Florida fan, but this is just to the Florida fans who continuously post to me or argue that oh they would have won if they would have had these two corners. Where, wh- wh- how? Those two corners aren't going to help Frank's throw for lo- farther than five yards. Like it's just not going to happen, and so, so going into the season, 
I think offensive line is still a horrible, horrible position for them. They are Athlon has them ranked tenth in the in the conference in offensive line, and they have a really good front seven. Like I will give them all the credit in the world for having a really good front seven. You just don't know how their defensive backfield is going to be. I still think Todd Grantham ends up being a liability when all when it's all said and done in certain, excuse me, in tight games. Felipe Franks is going to. He has to get better, I guess. They have Van Jefferson to throw to. Uh, they have Scarlett in the backfield. I think they have skill positions. I think, they, or they still have. Oh, the, I think they, the skill positions are very yes. well thought of there yes. at Florida, especially yes. receiver. Yeah, they, they 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 have dudes at wide receiver, but I don't trust their offensive line. I don't know if I really fear their running backs, and I just I just again I just think third and Grantham is a real thing, and. I think he's a liability. Um, well, here, here's here's what I'll I'll say. Felipe Franks being a better quarterback, 60, uh, 58% pass completion last year. If he takes another step forward to 62%, 63% pass completion, and we saw it in Michigan. He only threw 56 pass uh, percent against Michigan. He only threw for 173 yards and one touchdown in that game against Michigan. But the fact... And Michigan's not the best example because I understand the the Wolverines were were a little bit uh, and it's a discombobulated. And it's just I, I weird. Understand. I understand, yeah. but here, but the overall point is, is that if Felipe Franks's passing ability is improved enough to make every defense respect him a little bit more, that only helps out Lamichael P. Ryan and and the other running backs that they're going to have in the backfield. That's only going to assist with the pressure. And uh, that's kind of put up front that guys have to they have to back up just an inch or two a little bit more, and maybe that maybe that changes some stuff for for Dan Mullen going forward. I agree with you that the offensive line and even David Waters told us this as well, who covers the Gators for a, a new site there in Jacksonville. Shout out to David. Um, Got he it. even says great great Florida Gator podcast that I even absolutely. listen to. Absolutely. So David mentioned that they like their starting group on the offensive line for Florida, but it is the depth that they're concerned with. So throughout the season, going or losing somebody for a game or two, is that going to catch up to the Florida Gators and not be able to do those runs, not be able to protect Felipe Franks? He, just like anybody else, struggles when the pressure is on. Do they get? Does Miami get great pressure and hold him out? Does Georgia get? Does LSU get? Does Auburn get great pressure and really stall out a Felipe Franks who had his bad moments last year? Only 189 passing yards in the loss total yards of passing in the two losses back to back to Georgia and Missouri last year, and one touchdown and one interception. So, if they can if they can dial up the pressure because the offensive line doesn't stay healthy, then you know, you're all right. It all hinges on the offensive line for the Florida Gators is, is, is pretty much the bottom line. Yeah. And and what's their number? Isn't their number high? Their number for the Florida Gators is nine even. Miami right. to start the season. UT Martin at Kentucky. Excuse me. Miami in Orlando. I think that counts into this. UT Martin at Kentucky. Tennessee. Townsend. Auburn for homecoming on October 5th. They have to travel to LSU and then to South Carolina on the 19th. 
bye week before Georgia and Jacksonville, Vanderbilt at Missouri, bye week, and then Florida State. Florida, because they're playing on August 24th, do benefit, excuse me, do benefit from sort of a third bye week because they're playing so early. Maybe that helps out a little bit, but I nine is a lot. Yeah, I think, it, look, it, it comes down to this. You, it, their schedule comes down to how you view um, how you view Auburn and LSU this year. It really does. Absolutely. They've, if they're going to get to 10 wins, it's coming from LSU, Auburn, Georgia, and maybe the Miami and Missouri game. I know you don't like Missouri, but maybe the Miami yeah. and Missouri game. And hell, at this point, Robbie, do not count out Florida State. Just from no, a rivalry I'm not, standpoint, dude, I'm, I'm don't count out Florida, Florida State. State. No, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not. I don't believe that they're about to have another suck here. Um, sure. Man, I think they lose that game to Miami week one. Because I think Miami's defensive front, front seven, is disgusting. Like I pose that, I po- I, I've asked that question before. If Florida can protect Felipe Franks consistently, maybe Florida can win that game by two touchdowns if they can protect. But that's a big if. I agree. I just and, and look, I this is going to sound really demeaning to last year, but I. I don't even know, except for that LSU game, which was legit. I don't even know if last year's ten and three is real for them. You know, like if you look at this, Charleston Southern, they lose to Kentucky at home. They lose. They they beat Colorado State. They win at Tennessee, which was a, not a good team. They beat Mississippi State at Mississippi State when their court, but their quarterback couldn't throw the ball past five yards. They went. They beat couldn't LSU do that all season. Yeah, couldn't do that all season, but it caught up to them. You know, like Mississippi State legitimately had a historically great defense last year, but their offense couldn't produce. LSU was a, was a great win, and I I will not belittle that. Um, but they then they beat they they beat Vanderbilt at Vanderbilt. They win at they they beat South Carolina. They beat Idaho, and they beat Florida State. Like except for the LSU, where is the impressive win from last year? Because because also. Like their wins that would be quote unquote Im- impressive aren't even impressive scores in terms of the regular season, you mean? Yeah, in terms of the regular season. And then losing to Missouri last year, too, man, they got they got beat the brakes off of in that Missouri game. They couldn't they couldn't stop Drew Locke. So I look, I, I just <sighs> the thing is, like, I wasn't even planning on being negative about the Gators, I was actually positive. About them this year, I think they're going to have a good team. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I did. I, I, I really do. I don't That's hate season yet. Like, I don't hate Florida. Like, as far as Georgia's rivalries, like, they're and just objectively, I, I just think, I think highly of Auburn because Auburn may have the best defensive line in the country. I think highly of playing anybody who plays at LSU, and they're going to be out for blood next or this year because of what happened last year. Uh, yeah, I, I'm gonna go. Is it nine and a half? You said or nine? No, nine even. Rob, they've got to play Miami's front, Auburn's front, LSU's front, and then Georgia's what should front. be a good Georgia front. And yeah. then we we both expect FSU to be back on track. So that's one, two, three, four, five of what could be the you know five of the top twenty five front defensive fronts in the country. I mean, that that's a lot to ask from an offensive line that's shaky in terms of depth. 
I think the number is nine. Give me the under. Give me the under. Yeah. I think that yeah, I'm gonna take the push. I think the number is at nine. I'm with you. You taught me into it. Okay. Very good. All right. Well, then that brings us to numero uno, according to Phil Still. That brings us to uh, Athens. Kirby Smart in his fourth year with the Georgia Bulldogs, 11-3 and three last year. There is an interesting stat out and about that no team in the playoff era of all of you know six or seven years, however long it's been exactly, has not gone back to the playoff after losing as much at the receiver position as Georgia has lost. They've got a big mountain to climb when it comes to pass catchers, as good as the as good as things look in terms of talent and Jake Fromm and even the running game and the offensive line, there's a lot to ask for from this receiving group uh, going up against Florida's defense, uh, going up against some of these other tough uh, Auburn and Texas A&M's defenses, having to play Notre Dame as well. That's a lot to ask for from that receiver group. If we're going to be tough on Florida's offensive line, we've got to be tough on on Georgia's uh, inexperienced wide receiver uh, group. A hundred percent. That like, there. So before we jump in, I have to say this. Today we found out that Brenton Cox yes. was dismissed from the team last night. Um, the insider info is out there, so I don't feel I feel comfortable sharing this because you you can actually find it online if you'd like. But apparently he has been a problem with attitude since last August, and then in this past spring he got arrested for marijuana possession. And also during the spring, he was losing playing time because of these other four or five star dudes who were just really good. And he did not like he did not like what was happening. He was losing playing time. Um, and then apparently, uh, workouts started again this fall, four or five days ago, and it just continued with his bad attitude. And last night, uh, a leadership committee of seniors and other leaders on the team came together and they voted and they voted for him to be dismissed from the team. And so that is why he is in the transfer portal today. Um, it is believed that he is going to go to Ohio state because that is where he was going to go originally before he was flipped. Um, but also what I found out today it, or what you, and you can read this online. This is not something that I'm just coming up with, but apparently Justin Fields went through this exact same process of getting, getting in front of a committee. And before the vote, before he was voted for, he just decided he was going to transfer. So, um, cause he was a problem too, apparently with his attitude. So I'm, I'm fine with him being gone. If that's what, you know, if, if that is real and I, I do believe it, then, and, and if there's three, there's three positions that Georgia has that they don't have to worry about losing someone offensive line, linebacker, and running back. And so I'm not saying that it's not going to hurt, but it doesn't hurt that bad whenever you've got so much depth at the position. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to make sure that was known, put that out there because that happened today. Um, but to your wide receiver issue, I can't, I can't fight it. I can say that I think talent wise, Georgia may have, may have the most talent they've ever had at wide receiver as a core. Um, but they have probably the least amount of depth. I think they have like seven catches between from last season between who's left on the, on the team as a wide receiver. Um, so I think that's a big question mark. Um, however, 
when you have a Heisman hopeful quarterback in Jake Fromm, you have the best offensive line in the country, you have one of the best running back stables in the country, and you have one of the best defenses in the country, I think the wide receiver position is going to be able to grow up quickly over the course of the season, um, especially with having the first two or three games being against not the best quality opponent. Right, so at Vanderbilt, Murray State, and Arkansas State through the first three weeks, absolutely yeah. right. Plenty of opportunity there to kind of figure things out. Um, but again, that competition starts to ramp up. Notre Dame on the 21st. Uh, Tennessee will be talented. South Carolina will be talented. <laughs> Kentucky will be uh, another step up in terms of just, you know, sort of what's going to be able to be featured defensively. It won't be tough or it won't be impossible, I guess is what I mean, with Tennessee, South Carolina, and Kentucky. But it's still going to be a step up, and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe this is a nice – the season sets out in a way where the progression of difficulty is going to be at a decent pace outside of Notre Dame where those wide receivers will get to get their feet wet and then they'll get to get in you know, waist deep before having to really get uh, – get uh, above their water or uh, in over their heads, if you will, against Florida and Auburn and Texas A&M at the end of the year. And, and I'm going to say this, because this, this is a fair from, – coming from a Georgia fan, but all, honestly just objective to looking at what Kirby has done up to this point, I think this is the year that Kirby has to show why he was hired to replace Mark Rick. Right. And because, look – for those that don't know, yes, I'm openly a Georgia fan, but I do try to be as objective as possible. But I'm also going to be the first one to critique my team or criticize my team. And I will not be making excuses this year for why they don't win an SEC title or win or make it to the playoff again. I won't. I just won't. Because it, like outside of Jake Fromm getting hurt, there is no excuse. There just isn't. And Yeah, I mean, you've recruited well enough to the point where – if you consider yourself Alabama, Alabama can take on losses, significant losses, and still have some some bounce back. If you're going to consider yourself them, if you're going to consider yourself Clemson, which Georgia really loves to do that, then you've got to be able to bounce back from this kind of hit at the wide receiver position. Uh, the number is 11 for Georgia, according to Vegas. If they're going to get that 11, they've got to win uh, their non-conference games They've got to beat Georgia, t uh, Georgia Tech, Tennessee, Kentucky, Missouri, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, and Auburn. And then 11 has to come between um, Florida, Notre Dame, and Texas A&M. If they're going to get to 11, they've got to win, I believe, two of those three. Yeah, and I honestly think they will. Um, I believe in Kirby Smart. I believe in these moves that he made, it, uh, the, the coaching moves that he made. Um, if if there is a loss, unfortunately, it probably will come from an SEC West team because that has been apparently the kryptonite for Kirby Smart um, since he's been there. He has been he has had a blowout loss each of the for the last three years. First year was Ole Miss, but then he beats Auburn. Second year was Auburn, but he beats Mississippi State. And then last year, he beats Auburn, but then he gets smacked by LSU. And so this year, I just think that one of those losses may come to Texas A&M um, or Auburn, whichever one. 
but I see this Georgia team going 11 and one and representing the East in the SEC title game. I see 11 and one as well, and also representing in the SEC championship game. And 12 and 0 is not far fetched for me. It's just not. No, I, I don't think so either. Um, because I, I just I don't think I do not think that um, Notre Dame is going to be as big as a big of a competition as they were as, last year. Yeah, as they were the last two years. Even with Ian Book. No, I, I do think Ian Book's really good, but when you lose as much as they, lo- excuse me, you lose what they lost on the defensive side of the ball along with what they lost on the offensive line, along with losing Dexter Williams, along with losing their star wide receiver. And you're coming into Athens. Like, you're not going to be able to pull off what Georgia did to Notre Dame and bring in a bunch of dudes because Georgia fans don't sell tickets. They were they, they sold out 100% of their tickets last year um, because that's just what Georgia fans do. Like, they go to games. And and so I just think I just I, I trust in Georgia um, to to at least go eleven and one. All right, and, so we both yeah. so we both have uh, the Georgia Bulldogs winning the East, as does uh, most of the rest of the country as well. Um, yeah, pick it up. I just realized this has been an hour. Yeah, Arkansas and uh, the Razorbacks four and a half is the number for Arkansas. Just two wins last year. The recruiting seems to be moving in the right direction for Chad Morris and the Arkansas Razorbacks, but can they put that into wins? They'll need an SEC win or two if they want to. Uh, if they want to get to their, what is the number for Arkansas? I just had it a second ago. Uh, five and a half. If they want to get to five, they're going to have to win an SEC game or two. Ole Miss and Kentucky are really the only two I think they could possibly get. Is it under for Arkansas for you? Yeah, it's under. I don't. I don't even have a lot to say about this team. I think. I think they're moving in the right direction, but it's just kind of like it's kind of like Kansas or kind of like Illinois. You may be making steps in the right direction, but I still kind of think your your schedule is going to keep you from prospering in any way. Yep, I'll take the under as well for Arkansas. But uh, like you said, I like the direction that Chad Morris has them moving in. All right, so that does move us over to the Ole Miss Rebels. Matt Luke, 5-7. and seven. You're really high on this team. Ten defensive uh, starters are returning, only three offensive starters. One of the things I've read about Mississippi, though, is that this is the year where the recruiting classes that were hurt by restrictions are going to start surfacing into the two deep. And if that is the case... What did those recruiting classes look like? How many two-stars? How many low-end three-stars were there? You start to thin out a little bit. Maybe that's where I'm kind of skeptical about Ole Miss at this point uh, for the Rebels. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so I'm not – let me be very clear. I'm not going to say that they're all of a sudden going to become Clemson, but I have an analogy here. But I have a metaphor and an analogy here. If a lot of people don't know this – um, you can hear from beat writers. You can hear from former players. You can hear from coaches that Dabo Sweeney is not the is not the greatest at X's and O's. He is great at motivation. He is great at unity. He is great at inspiring, and he is great at keeping a family like a family atmosphere at Clemson. Okay, that is like he is great at that. And but what he has done is he has hired elite 
incredible coaches, assistant coaches around them, um, around him. And that is what has made that is part of the reason why Clemson is so great is because of the elite assistant coaches around around Dabo Sweeney. So Matt Luke at Ole Miss has now over this past offseason hired two former Pac-12 Coach of the Year that were former head coaches who won Coach of the Year at their respective programs at Arizona and at Colorado in McIntyre and um, uh, Rich Rodriguez. Rich Rodriguez. And Rodriguez was on fire with West Virginia as well. Yes. Everywhere he's gone, he has been prosperous in some form or fashion with the offense. Now, it didn't always work at Michigan, but he's the reason why we got Denard Robinson. You know? Amen Um, for that. Yeah. And so I I just think that Matt Luke knows we've talked about this before. Matt Luke knows that this is probably he's probably not going to be the coach in a couple of years. But he, I think he has made some hires that is going to prevent them from wanting to hi- fire or replace him so quickly. And he's done that by hiring two guys who just know what they're doing and they know how to coach and they've coached before. And they've, like, if, if that crap doesn't happen to McIntyre at Colorado, he's still there probably. You know? And so I'm, I'm just of the belief that uh, he has made some coaching hires that is going to prolong his life as a coach at Ole Miss. And I think that they're going to have a really good year, comparatively speaking, to last year. Um, but five and, five and seven last year, and the number is at five this year, according to Vegas. I'll tell you the over. Now, I think they make a bowl game. Okay, very good. I'll, I'll say a bowl game. I think I think that's there. Matt Corral is really good is, too. Is, I think six wins are there. Matt Corral's good. Rodriguez is going to have an off uh, a running game. The running back stable at Mississippi looks really good. Their big prize recruit chose football over uh, over football is or he chose football over baseball. Excuse me. So they're going to have talent in the backfield. And like you mentioned, McIntyre's got a lot a lot to play with on the defensive side of the ball in terms of starters and then backups. You might be right. This might be a team uh, that can get to six wins. I'll uh, I'll take six. I'll, I'll buy. I'm buying into what you're selling, Robbie Stelton Ball. And I mean, <clears throat> I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, because I mean, the, the, Memphis and they have two. Uh, they've got three non-conference schedule games that they can win, and then the other three games that I have as a push are Cal, Vandy, and Arkansas. Those are very winnable. Very yeah, winnable. They 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 can beat Cal. Cal will yeah. be good defensively, but who's Cal offensively? We don't know that. Yeah, I mean, because last year they were nothing offensively. So exactly. Um. So yeah, man, I'm 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 a little high on them, but yeah, who's next? As as long as they're wearing the baby blue helmets, then oh, man, then I'm love, okay with this. I, I love those uniforms. Mississippi State, the Bulldogs, Joe Moorhead. Uh, media days. Joe Moorhead was very uh, humbled and honest about. Pretty much saying I should have I ran my mouth a little bit too much here in the SEC and it got handed to me. They were a little bit of a disappointing eight and five last year. I say a little bit. They were a lot uh, disappointing uh, with yes. an eight five and the historic defense that they had. How do you feel about Mississippi State? They move on from uh, uh, Fitzgerald at the quarterback position. Maybe uh, the new guy in Stevens, Tommy, Tommy Stevens, yeah, from Penn State worked with uh, Joe Moorhead uh, there in Penn State. Maybe that's a better passing game, but Phil still has them with the 19th toughest schedule in 
the uh, in the country. So Joe Moorhead, year two, the number for Mississippi State, seven and a half. Don't they play Kansas State again? They do. Okay. And I'm so sorry, I keep forgetting the number that you tell me. What's the number again? Seven and a half, if you would listen to me, please. My bad. Give me the over. Woo! Uh, I like, like it. There's, there's, they, they are still returning some awesome linebackers uh, from that team. And and when we say historic, like go look at how many touchdowns they gave up last year. Um, they were number one in like overall yards. They were number one in points per game. They were number one in like touchdowns allowed. Like it was absurd. Um, and I, I think Tommy Stevens uh, is going to be a major upgrade, and he knows this offense apparently better than Nick Fitzgerald did last year, and I think that helps immensely. There's a also, chance that I know that offense better than Nick Fitzgerald did. <laughs> that's true. I mean, Nick Fitzgerald went from a Heisman hopeful going into his junior year to, like, look, he broke his leg, and that 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 sucks. Ooh, yeah, that's true. Um, but that throws got, that could throw it. That could throw a a plan right out the window. That's true. But but you have to learn to throw the ball. Like you, you have That's true to. too. That's um, true too. Both things are are true at um, the same time. So I, I'm going to take the over. I I think I think this team could be really good this year, and if they weren't playing the SEC West, like the number may be higher for me. But I I think this could be another eight or nine win team this year. Yeah, I think seven and I, I think the eight comes through between Auburn and Tennessee. If they could get an Auburn and Tennessee win, I think the rest of the schedule losses to Bama, LSU, and A and M. But the rest of that is very winnable. A win over Auburn, a win over Tennessee is very likely as well. Rob, you've convinced me a second straight time. Give give me the over for Mississippi State. Man, I've been doing some research, man. I, I love these Mississippi schools this year. Gus Malzahn, does the Gus Ugh. bus stop in 2019 there, at, uh, there in Auburn, Alabama? Yeah. Uh. He's done. You don't like the freshman quarterbacks? No, because they, they, they still haven't even named a starter yet. Like, what is it, Bo Nix? Isn't that his name? Joey um, Gatewood and Bo Nix. Like, they haven't named a starter yet, so one's going to be a freshman and one's a sophomore? Um, Correct. And so I'm... Second, second toughest schedule in, in the country. Yeah, second toughest schedule in the country. They They have just a doozy of a schedule this year. Um, I know that some people are picking them to upset either Georgia or Bama this year. I, I just don't I don't see it because sure, okay, they are they're gonna have an awesome defensive line. But what is that defensive line gonna look like after the gauntlet that they have to play before November? Also, who's gonna be their stud quarterback? Who's gonna be their running back? Where their where are their wide receivers coming from? And what about that back line of that defense? Who was just not very good. Yeah, if they're I've got five guaranteed wins on the schedule. I say guaranteed. Five very likely wins for Auburn this year. And then the other three have got to come from LSU, AM, Oregon, Mississippi State, and I'll always throw Bama in as a push just because of you know how the, intense the, the game. that rivalry yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've got to get three wins out of LSU, A&M, Oregon, Mississippi State, and Alabama. Three wins in there is possible, but and I mean, I just, all of just, those teams are going to be tough this year. And and listen, like I don't know if anybody talks about this, but this whole Auburn-Georgia thing is a rivalry. Get that crap out of here. 
Auburn has only won four times in the last 12 years. Now, four times, 12 years. Like, you, you, I, I, you, go ahead. You, you, you do win things that I don't particularly like. Uh, I know. I'm, I would I'm like, just, as a Georgia fan, I would like for that number to stay that way. Yes. I can't do trash talking. Trash talking I'm, doesn't it's, it's work not, for no, me. No, 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 no. Look, look, look. I'm not, it's not that I'm trash talking and saying, stop. It's not like I'm, I'm not saying that Georgia's definitely going to beat Auburn. What I'm saying is, is that this, some of these talking heads, which just annoy me, but some of these people are picking, like, some of them just flat out chose and confidently chose that Auburn's going to beat Georgia because this, and the quote was, like, this rivalry is really intense. You know, they go back and forth. No, we don't. No, we don't. <laughs> the, they, they have not, like, it's four or less, it's four or less 12 years. So, um, but, but the, the positive Bo Nix was a highly recruited quarterback coming in. He is a great, uh, dual threat quarterback. Apparently he's having issues learning the, learning the offense and connecting on receivers on short routes. That is what I've been reading. Um, and that is why he has not been already guaranteed the job because I mean, if you would have made me pay money or made me bet, I would have bet that he would have been named the starter at spring. And so, um, uh, but a mixture of their schedule being so freaking difficult. I think they lose to Oregon week one. I think that they lose to Bama. I think they probably lose to Georgia. I think they lose to Texas A&M. I, there's no way I'm picking that high of a number, so I'm picking the under. Yeah, I'm taking the under as well. Um, my hesitance was just in terms of the Georgia game. But, yes, I agree. I'm taking the under. I don't know. I think Gus Melzahn doing the play calling is going to keep things very, very close, and eight's going to be very possible because he's a really good play caller, and yes. maybe that's he's back at home there, and the offense will be more comfortable and fluid, and and that accompanied with the defense. Eight is very possible, but freshman quarterback, these guys are highly thought of, but uh, if, if Joey Gatewood's being compared to Cam Newton already, that's a lot to live up to. And you can't expect a freshman to do that. Uh, so I think that's going to be tough. So, yes, uh, the under as well for, uh, and Nick, for the Nick Auburn Fisher was supposed to be the next Tim Tebow. So, I mean, just, yeah. Um, You're super high on Jimbo Fisher and the I Texas am. A&M Aggies. Nine and four last year. Seven returning offensive starters. Four returning defensive starters. Um, if Dan Mullen is the quarterback whisperer in the East... Jim Bo Fisher is the quarterback whisperer in the West. Mullen did had great success taking uh, Felipe Franks from, uh, you know, the progression of Felipe Franks has been fantastic. Jimbo Fisher has had similar success with Kellen Mond. You like this team a lot. The fourth toughest schedule in the country, according to Philip Steele magazine. And their number? Their number for the Texas A&M Aggies, seven and a half. Okay, I I'm taking the over. I think this team is going to go nine and three, but I I think they have talent that if they didn't have as tough a schedule as they do, they could easily go ten ten and two, eleven and one. I I I'm, I'm a huge fan of Kellamond. I I just am. I I think I think kids a stud. If you go back and watch that Clemson game, like he just took a beating and he just kept on coming. He kept making plays. The LSU game is another is another example of that. Like. Yes, he made some dumb, youthful plays last year, 
But when the when the game was on the line, when they asked him to make a big play, he was always there to make it. They're returning a lot of their offense, a lot of their wide receivers from last year. They do lose their stud uh, running back in Williams, which kind of which does suck. Like I will not belittle that, but I think their defense is going to continue to make a huge uh, huge upgrade with Mike Elko as their their defense coordinator. And look, this year they will they will win eight or nine games. I'm taking the over, but. I'm 2020. I, I'm I'm telling you right now, 2020. They're going to win the West. And I'll, go I'll ahead. take the over as well to eight. Um, I think the the first part of their schedule. I say the first part. There's about seven wins that I think they strongly can get off of this schedule, and then we just got done talking about Auburn. So I think that's win number eight right there, and then losses to Clemson, Georgia, LSU, Bama. Very likely, they may maybe could even get one more of those. They could possibly beat Georgia. Uh, they could possibly get LSU, who we still they get are Bama unsure. at home too, right? Uh, where are you, Bama? Bama is at home on October twelfth. Both teams, I think, coming. Yes, both teams coming off a bye week. Yeah, um, I'm high on them. And one of our listeners, Matt Sattler, um, he I, I meant to read this earlier, but he said I think Mississippi State will be surprisingly decent. I think A and M may compete with Bama to represent the the West this year. I I just think their schedule may be too tough for that to be the case. But I'm telling you right now, next year they're going to win the West. Because I, I don't like think it. I don't think two is going to be there. But um but anyway. Sixteen total starters returning for Ed Orgeron and LSU. Uh if you listen to Ed Orgeron talk for four or five minutes, you're ready to strap a helmet on and run through a wall. Um, Ed Orgeron. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, Ed Orgeron is probably a little further ahead on what you were talking about with Matt Luke at Ole Miss in terms of kind of following along with that same that same you know uh, comfort of of love and support like what Dabo's doing at Clemson. He might be he might be in that same realm. Um, and this is a group is. of talented guys who who want to play for him. Joe Burrow said, I won't run through a brick wall for just anybody. I'll run through a brick wall, though, for Ed Orgeron. I think the rest of the team feels like that. Yeah. This this is gonna be a really this is gonna be a really tough team uh to play. This is gonna be a team that could easily overachieve this year. Um because just just out of sheer talent, they had they may have two of the best wide receivers in the country. Uh, just ranking of tandems, they may have the best. Um, and for the life of me, I cannot remember their names right now. But they are they are going to be nasty. Um, Joe Burrow, though, is, is an enigma to me. I don't know who he is, other than just a guy who plays really hard. Um, I don't know if he has the arm talent to go to the NFL. I don't know if he has the running ability to to trick a defense. I, d- I don't know. The only thing I do know about him is that he is he plays hard and he will ball out as hard as he can for the entirety of a game. Here is my biggest question. I, I, I think their defense can be gross. Here is my problem with LSU. It's the same problem they freaking had since 2004. I don't believe that you're going to have an innovative offense until I see it on the field. I know what your first three plays are going to be at Orgeron. It's going to be fullback dive. Okay? It's going to be fullback dive. It's going to be tossed to the left. 
And and I think that will ultimately be the demise of them if they cannot adjust. Yeah, the expectation this year is that they're going to open things up. Ed Orgeron has, has said that several times, that the that the offense is going to be open. There's going to be a lot of RPOs, very similar to what Joe Burrow has always played with his entire career. He's very comfortable in the system. If they can utilize RPOs successfully and get the ball into the hands that way to their, their skill guys, then I think nine wins is the number for them, 10 wins might be just a little bit out of reach because I I agree with you. I don't know all the way what Joe Burrow is capable of. He might be able to run through a wall for, for Ed Orgeron, but when it's time to throw over the wall or throw, you know, around the wall, whatever, whatever, however you want to stick with that analogy when it comes to throwing the football, can he do that? Um, because the RPO is not going to be there in every situation. Um, no. Sometimes you're going to have to make a throw downfield, and, and he did that some last year. He did that in pressure situations last year. Can you continue to do it when the uh, opposing team kind of has a better understanding of who you are? I think nine wins might be their, their ceiling. Um, I, think that's, uh, I, th- I think they're a push at nine. I'm going to say over just because I think I think they're going to get 10 wins. I don't know who I can't guarantee who their two losses are going to be. But I think they're going to get 10 wins. I think they beat Florida. Don't they have a big out of conference game? Texas. Texas. I think they I think they're going to spank the bejesus out of Texas. Um, it'll be it'll be in Austin. Of course it will. Um yeah, give me, give me, give me the over. Give me ten wins for LSU. I mean, because because I picked the, I picked the under quite a bit for a lot of these teams, and I still pick them to go six or seven and whatever. Someone's got to get these wins, and so sure. it's probably going to be LSU and Bama. And that brings us to the Alabama Crimson Tide, fourteen and one last year. Obviously, the blemish is the beat down to uh, Clemson. This is a team who does not believe that they are who they were in that championship game against Clemson. That's not who they are on a regular basis. I don't think Alabama's and, and Nick Saban has ever really had an issue with like motivation and you know chip on your shoulder kind of stuff. But now he's got like a gold a golden goose uh, for a chip on your shoulder. That everybody says that you were the you know just the easy talking points, the bulletin board material of what everybody is saying about you in that loss to uh, to this team uh alabama they've got a big opportunity to bounce back with all the talent that they've got offensively they might not throw it as much as they did last year and that's usually a good thing when they course correct from throwing the ball a bunch back to kind of and a, a more balanced offense it's resulted in national championships for them and i'm not making that up there's as, yep. uh, saturday down south has that's that article. a great article 14 and 1 last year the number is 11 and a half. They go ahead and say it. their schedule's absolute trash though. Duke in Atlanta, New Mexico State at South Carolina, Southern Miss, Mississippi. Bye week on October 5th at Texas A&M, Tennessee, Arkansas, bye week uh, LSU at home at Mississippi State, Western Carolina at Auburn. The toughest part of that is on the road to Auburn and on the road to the Texas road. A&M. 
Yep. LSU at home will be tough, but A&M and LSU both come after bye weeks. Uh, Alep, Nick Saban's definitely got to uh, – it's hard not to believe Nick Saban might have a coin in someone's pocket. Yeah, well, look, I will defend them with this doo-doo schedule this year. They have continued to schedule potentially elite teams for the last, like, six or seven years. They they start Absolutely. off – like they've they've it's not their fault because they schedule these games like five or six years out. It is not their fault that Duke is not good like they were five years ago, and it is not their fault that FSU was not good two years ago. It like these it's it, it's just they're they're scheduling them. It's not their fault of the way the teams end up being whenever this game is played. Um, I I I'm gonna I th- I think I think they go eleven and zero. Or eleven and one, they they lost a five star linebacker today, um, Iyabi Anoma, who transferred to Houston. He is um, he is already enrolled at Houston, and and I, I don't know how much of a blow that's going to be, but my concern with Alabama because there are just two concerns for me: uh, their their defensive line and their quarterback depth. Because if there's any question, it's can Tua stay healthy? Yes. Which is why I think they're going to have some of that major course correction that even though they only threw it 355 times last year, that's not a super ton. Uh, I think that number could drop back down to 300, maybe even under 300, just from the standpoint that they're going to run the ball a lot more for that reason of, hey, you're just going to hand the ball off because we can't afford for you to be banged up when it comes time for Georgia, when it comes time for A&M, LSU, whatever, because uh, the safety net, J.J., isn't there anymore. Yeah, I just – that those are my concerns. And I, But who's going to make them get to that point? Like, who's going to test that defensive line depth? Who's going to test – like, what's what's going to happen to Tua? Is he going to stay healthy or not? I mean, also, you got to I – mean, is Sark that dude? I don't think he is. I, I don't think Sark – is like the the last time I remember Sark calling plays in college was losing the national championship to Clemson, um, when he had an elite team. So I I don't know what this is going to be for them, but I will say that, um, it, I don't know who's going to beat them. <laughs> so let, I'm just going to go eleven eleven and one, and they're going to represent the West in the, the SEC title game. Yep, so we've got Bama and Georgia both. uh, I agree, Bama will be in the SEC championship game. I think the number is 11-1 and as well, so that is the under in terms of the regular season. So Georgia, Alabama, Atlanta, round three. What do you feel for um, Alabama and Georgia at the end of the year SEC championship game? Georgia's got to eventually get over the Bama hump, right? If it's going to happen, it feels like it has to happen this year. It does. Um, or Kirby you know, Smart's going to be in some sort of trouble. I said this. I, I said this, um, or I've not said this. Peter Burns of SEC Network and uh, two other analysts have said that everyone. They said this last year. Everyone better enjoy taking advantage of Georgia in whatever way they can, because in 2019 they are going to be they're going to have above and beyond better talent than anyone around them. And they were talking about specifically like SEC East and, and their schedule. And that's scary to think about 
And I think we saw some of that last year, um, especially in the SEC title game, where in the fourth quarter specifically, at one point in time, there were eight freshmen on the field on defense. Um, but the lack of play calling or whatever you want to call it, you know, hurt them. Uh, I, I think Jake Fromm gets over the hump this year. I, I think they beat Bama in the SEC title game, and Kirby becomes the first coach, the assistant coach, to beat Saban. Uh, at some point, too, and you've always said this, and I've always tagged along with it and thought, I'm not really going to pick it until it happens. I'm not going to believe it until I see it. Um, but at some point, the loss of and the turnover at coordinators and, and assistant coaches, at some point, that's got to catch up. And maybe that was some of that was happening last year. Uh, they're at the very end of the season. Is it going to catch up again this year? Maybe it does. Maybe that's Georgia's opening that they've got to that this has got to they've got to capitalize. Um, I'm going to pick them because it's almost like they have to uh, this season. So I'm, I'm hinging it all as well on Jake on uh, what should be a passing game that's going to uh, involve the running backs a little more. Maybe that's going to be necessary in getting the the wide receivers to the point that they need to be at to compete at a high level at the end of the year. Um, but I can tell you this, if, if those wide receivers don't make progressions throughout the season, then this will be all for naught, and we'll be licking our wounds and talking about what if again for the Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah. No, 100%. I, I think that a great year for Georgia could be going 12-0 and and then still possibly coming up short against Bama because if you go 12-0, and you still have an opportunity to make the playoff. Georgia makes the playoff last year if they don't lose by a gazillion to LSU. Yes, I agree. I agree 100%. Like, that's just a fact. And so don't, don't lose games you shouldn't lose. Yeah, and that goes for a lot of different teams as well. Yes, absolutely. All right, so uh, SEC's in the books. Georgia over Alabama, we are both are, are picking that, and uh, that's been our SEC preview. Big Ten next week, is that correct? Yeah, man. Big Ten next week, and then the ACC after that, and then we'll be ready to play uh, some actual college football. We'll talk about actual games, and uh, we'll have a lot of fun doing it uh, here on a Rich Tradition College Football Podcast. Have a great week, guys. Uh, Rob, you do the same thing. Good luck. Uh, we'll, we'll call it a night. We'll wrap things up. Thanks for joining us uh, and participating in a Rich Tradition college football podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, he's Robbie Steltonpole. I'm Spencer Van Horn. Two friends, one love, and that's college football. You stay classic, podcast land. <laughs>